Welcome to Bill Roden on Sports. Taking you inside clubhouses, locker rooms, and boardrooms. Legendary sports columnist Bill Roden gets inside the heads and beneath the veneer of the men and women who play and own the games we love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another version and edition of Bill Roden on Sports. Um, calling you live from Arizona. <laughs> uh, this is yet something else new. We do remote podcasts from restaurants, and now we're doing something from the desert. Anyway, hey, Jamal, Jamal Murphy, how are you? I'm good. I'm here in uh, still chilly New York. It is cold? Yeah, you know, not, it's a little better, but um, yeah, much, much get, chillier than where you are. Flight. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny. Oh, hey, hey, Pat, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. You know, it's funny. Uh, so, Lane Kiffin, you know, the the offensive coordinator, right, for the uh, for Alabama, <laughs> he got left behind. You know, the bu- the buses, you know, the buses were leaving, and you know, this is Nick Saban, man, and so <laughs> Kiffin. He he stayed around, you know. He stayed behind just to talk to reporters, right? And they left him. Wow! The buses left him at the uh, University of Phoenix Stadium. Wow! Because he, you know, he stayed by running his mouth, <laughs> and and I guess you know they said, hey wait, because uh, you know Kiffin probably has a seat right by in the front near Saban, right? So he told them leave him. <laughs> and they left him. They left him. Wow! It's ha- apparently, it's happened a couple times because he's back there promoting himself, you know, right. and, and, and they left him. So, Wow. I mean, you win the national championship and you still you still have that hard edge to you? Wow. Hey, man. Yeah. He didn't – the only time I saw – the only time I saw Saban really smile was after – remember the onside – well, you have to remember the onside kick. Right. That's when they showed the replay and he, he, he really seemed exuberant. Right. So I said, yeah. oh, he must have called it. Right. Well, yeah, that's the, that's this, that's the story that they went over it uh, all week. They saw something in Clemson's uh, uh, kickoff coverage that they liked, and they saw that they they were in the same coverage uh, for the, for the game last night, and they decided to go ahead and uh, call the onside kick, and I guess it worked. Just perfect, right? And, and, and to me, I mean, that was a game changer. You know, that was probably you remember when we had um, Demario Davis on the show. Uh, right, from it would the, seem like ten years ago, but you know, earlier in the season. Right, the Jets. And he linebacker. said something I thought was very interesting. He said that in every football game, it was determined usually by about two plays. Right. You know, and I found that to really be true. And this one, same thing. You know, it was a pretty tight game. Uh, at that point, Alabama just scored, uh, but when they got the ball back, I, I think that that was really it. Changed everything. It changed the momentum. It changed everything. Right. So you know, um, big blunder. I, I don't know who the who the ex special teams coach of Clemson is. <laughs> hey man, man what did you think of the game? I mean, it was a good game. It was you know I actually expected Clemson to play well and and uh, make it a game and maybe pull off the upset. So I'm you know I'm 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 happy in Clemson's performance. It was a good game. Went to the end pretty much. Like you said, that onside kick was a was a big play, but at the same time. Uh, you know, more was a lot more had to happen after that play. Alabama, you know, played pretty good on offense. Had some big touchdown connections after that. Clemson 
did you know they they did their thing on offense as well to keep it close until the end. But definitely a good game, a, you know, a very good national championship game, and I think better than most people expected. Yeah, well, yeah, and and they really needed it because, um, frankly, man, the whole bowl season had been terrible. Right. You know, uh, and, and you know, I was never really a big, necessarily a big fan of these bowls. Anyway, I always wanted a playoff, but now that you've got the playoff system, the bowls, the bowls really just are completely irrelevant. Right. I mean, they mean less than they ever did before. They mean nothing, and it's almost purely exploitive. Right. Yeah, because you know what I mean. Because now you got guys who are there who are trying to get drafted, preparing for the draft, and all this, right. and they're playing in the darn you know, you know, flush bowl in you know, Inca, North Carolina somewhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. it makes I don't know. It just it 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 just seems more truly, more nakedly exploitive than right. usual. Right. And they really just seem irrelevant. Right, and then, like you said, like you you referenced, the kids are actually risking injury. Kids who are, you know, getting prepared for the NFL draft, you actually have another game to risk injury. And also, maybe that has a lot to do with uh, the poor bowl yep. performance of a lot of these teams. You know, a lot of these teams didn't seem into it. Um, I'm sure the coaches stay into it because they have something on the line, but it didn't seem like the players uh, gave, you know, in these other bowls, gave it their all. Yeah, I think you make a great point, man, because, you know, particularly in football, it's such a, it's such a game of emotion. And, uh, you know, it's almost right. like the, the, the NFL uh, All-Star game, which is a joke. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? It's a joke right. because this game is, is a 100% injury game. You know you're going to get hurt. But if you if you got something on the line, then there's the adrenaline and, and there's a sense of mission. But if you're saying, okay, we're going to practice one more week, and we're going to go, and you're going to play, you know, some school. That me, and it means all it means is something for the coffers of the school, right? Because the athletic department gets, you know, maybe two point five million, you know. And, and it'd be different also if you said, okay, we're going to get two point five million for being in a Pelican Bowl. But you're going to get all the student athletes on the team will get, let's say, four uh, percent of that. Right. That you're going to get four percent of it. We're going to put it in escrow, and it, it, it's part of your building, your your building account. You know, uh, as as so, if we if we if we go to the Pelican Bowl as a freshman, and you get a percentage to pay out, then let's say the next year we go to the Sugar Bowl, and you'll get a percentage to pay out. And, and your junior year, we go to, you know, let's say we play in one of these championship bowls, and you get a percentage. Now you're like, okay, you know, by the time I graduate or by the time I leave school, you know, I've got four nice things in escrow, you right. know, in my account. Right. And then, then I'll go to I'll go to Ink in North Carolina and play <laughs> in the Pelican Bowl because right. I know I'm getting a percent. But this stuff, man, is just, you know, it just it's just totally more exploitive than than uh than usual um but but i i mean but let's you know we we kind of got off on well now we i got off on a tangent but um so nick segment is a very fascinating guy um uh let's listen to what he said after uh after monday's monumental victory it's always about the next game so I've never really ever thought too much about all that. I have a tremendous amount of appreciation for all the players, 
who have played for us, came to our school, bought into our program, did the things that they needed to do to have a chance to experience a championship, whether it was at LSU or the four at Alabama. So um, that's where most of my appreciation lies is with the players. You know, my college coach had the same philosophy, and I felt like the things that he did to help me be successful, and I'm talking about Don James, because he taught us a lot of lessons of life. And, you know, we want these guys to succeed, first of all, as people, make the right choices and decisions, the best choices and decisions, have the right thoughts, habits, and priorities that help them make those choices and decisions so they can take advantage of their gifts, first of all, as people. Be more successful in life for having been involved in the program. And all the people in our organization, that's what they work to try to help them do. We want them to all develop a career off the field so that they graduate from school and have a better opportunity to be successful in life. And we have one of the highest graduation rates in the country and the best in our conference. And we want to help them develop as football players. And there's a lot of lessons that you can learn on work ethic, uh, overcoming adversity, perseverance, consistency and performance, um, all kinds of things that come with the, the, the games that these guys play. And I think those things can all be beneficial to help them be more successful in life as well. And I want to see every guy have an outstanding career. And, you know, sometimes people criticize us and say we're all like business. But I'm going to tell you what, there were more players in the locker room that played for us at Alabama at this game today than I'll bet you anybody's ever had at a game. And that's because they had a great experience at Alabama. They're, they're, they're great ambassadors for the program. Um, we have a tremendous amount of respect for them, and I think they sort of respect the things that they learned. But we are trying to create value for players so that they can have a better chance to be successful. And um, I'm, 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 that's always going to come first to me. What, what do you think of what do you think uh, this game means for Saban, uh, Nick Saban? Uh, it's his, his fourth championship at um, Alabama, his fifth overall. Because remember, he won one down in uh, he, he led LSU to one. Um, do you think this makes him the greatest of all time, the greatest coach of uh, college coach of all time? Yeah, I mean, I would have to say so. How, how many did Bear Bryant have? Total. Did he have five? Well, Brian had six. Oh, he had six. He had six. But remember, he had six. In fact, uh, I wrote about that in this morning's uh, New York Times, just about, you know, because of Bear Bryant, you, you know, he, he cast such a long shadow. Right. It's like Babe Ruth. I mean, right. it, it almost doesn't matter if, if Henry Aaron would have hit 10 million home runs. Right, right. He still would have been Babe Ruth. Right. And I think at Alabama, Bear Bryant is such a revered, historic state of mind that, you know, it doesn't really matter. I don't know if he could, you know, I don't know, I don't know if he could ever, you know, if he ever could eclipse it. Yeah, and so that that's the only thing, that's the only caveat I have is that, you know, he, like you said, he's, he's never going to really surpass Bear Bryant as far as legendary status. But if you're talking about the best college coach of all time, and obviously I'm living in the moment, and I wasn't around uh, for Bear Bryant, but I mean, there's no. We, we've had this discussion discussion plenty of times on, about different sports. I mean, you know, as the more modern we get, the the actual the harder it gets, the the better the game is. So for him to be able to win four championships in this day and age, 
Um, you know, people, kids leave early now. It's not like college basketball where you leave after one year, but kids still leave early after their junior year in this in this age. And for him to do that, and there's more competition, obviously, from other schools, and for him to be consistently at the top at the top of his profession, um, I mean, you have to put him as the number one uh, coach, definitely in modern. I mean, without question, in modern times. Now, yeah, go ahead. And remember too. Uh, Bear Bryant, he he went to Alabama. He got to Alabama in 1958. Shoot, man, he didn't really compete against teams with black athletes until the 70s. Okay. You know, I mean, he didn't get he didn't recruit his first black athlete until 1970. Right. So you know, you're going all these years. And it's like the Negro League. Right. You know, all the players pre-integration who never had to compete with a total totality. How how of many all talent available? How many uh, championships did he win from 58? Uh, up until the seventies. Well, let's see. He won. Um, let's see. He got there in '58, and then let me get my cheat sheet. Uh, he won his. It took him about four four years uh, to win to win his first. Um, you know where it took Saban. So he won one. Um, uh, let's see, '58. I think he may have won his first one in uh, like '60. Since I'm looking through, um, I'm looking through. Uh, my book, but you know he he won a couple. Right. He couple he won about two of them before what what we should call like the integration era. Right. You know, and so you figure, guy. And also remember, back then we were talking what they call like sort of the the mythical, the mythical championship. Right. 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 You know what I'm saying? Where where and I I used to hate that man it, because right. at the end of the year. They say, okay, well, let's see now. Nebraska's <laughs> undefeated. Now they're going to play right. Miami, uh, right. and then Alabama's going to play so and so. But Alabama lost to so and so. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was stupid. And they and they left it up. They left it up to you guys. They left it up to the to the, which, the sports writers. Which tells you how stupid it was. Let <laughs> 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 you know. Yeah, and I, I mean, it used to it, it used to enrage me because you know what it did though is that a lot of guys, a lot of reporters, you had this this sense of importance. Right, that we really, we had a vote, and we I hated that. Right. So, you know, at least in this era, you know, in, in the era in which Saban has won his championships, it was not about beauty contests. It was okay. There's going to be you know some level of a tournament, and you're going to have to earn your way. You're going to have to beat Oklahoma. You're going to have to beat Florida State. You know, you we're just not going to give you vote yourself because you know we, we like you. Right. And to some extent, it's still like that. I mean, first of all, they only the the semifinal game has been around for what the last two, three years at the most. Right. Um, and even the, and even with well, the with semifinal the, game, this is only this is only the second year. Right. The semifinal game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I forgot already. It's only this is only the second year, and even the the four top teams are still essentially voted upon. Right. Uh, with help of of sports writers, so it's you know, it's, and it's, it goes back to what you for me. It kind of goes back to what you were saying before about the meaninglessness of the other bowls. I think, I think really they don't have any choice but to expand it to include, and then by doing that, you include a couple, two, three, four other bowls um, right. to play part to play a part in the playoff system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna have to. I mean, I know they talked about keeping it at four, but. You know, I mean, and it's all about money. Right. You know, they all want to make sure that they keep, you know, the, the flow of money uh, going. You know, so 
Um, they're probably not going to expand to six or eight. Probably in the next, they, they probably want to leave it like this for the next few years. Just, just thank goodness for them that the, the championship game was a great game. Right. You know, because there'd, there'd be this this uh, this outcry. Um, what was what was you, what was the atmosphere? What was the atmosphere in Arizona? Um, you know, during over the weekend and and after the game, was it a? Well, you know, well, well of course, you know, I have to stay in a hotel with a lot of Clemson fans, so it looked like a morgue there. You know, <laughs> you, I always hate that man. You know, when you're in the wrong hotel, <laughs> you know, with a losing team, right? No and, parties. You know, breakfast is terrible. Right. Oh, come on, man. You know, like shit. Let me go back to my room. You know, but, <laughs> You know, because, you know, before, man, but, you know, if you're, particularly if you're Clemson and you're 14 to 0 and there's the bands and people raising hell and shouting and woo, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. And then, uh, then afterwards, but I, I guess it's not like they got blown out. Right. It was a good but game. The atmosphere, you know, you know, Jamal, it's, it's, I'm glad you mentioned because even in the, uh, and this has happened last year too when the championship game was at, um, Jerry World in, 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 in uh, in Dallas. Um, Although there was a sold-out crowd, it, it didn't. It, it, it still felt like a college, a college game. Right. You know, you had the marching band. You didn't have like Jay Z doing the halftime entertainment. You know, it was, you still have marching bands and and you had a lot of orange and, and, and crimson and the cheerleaders and the whole thing. So, so to that extent, it was a big crowd, but it wasn't a Super Bowl kind of crowd. It was still a a big time college game, you know, and and after the game and the tunnel, you know, the Clemson players were coming in, and there are a lot of Clemson fans who made their way down there, uh, who you know clapped for them, you know, as they as they came through the tunnel, you know, which I, I, you probably will not see that in the Super Bowl. Right. It'd be like now. Now somebody did tell me in, in, in Las Vegas, a whole lot of money changed hands. Oh yeah. Because you, I think. Uh, well, they, Alabama was favored by twelve. No, it was I, Alabama was was actually favored by six. Okay. Um, the last I saw, like right before the game, Alabama was favored by six. So Clemson actually covered the spread, which, and I'm sure Vegas got a you know was taking a lot of money for Alabama. Alabama, I mean, all, most of the money had to be on Alabama. Huh. Yeah, so I guess it's like a DraftKings conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but but like you said, I think Vegas made a lot of money. In other words, if all the money was on Alabama, Vegas cleaned up. Yeah, some guy was trying to explain this to me last night, uh, Mark from uh, the Boston Globe, how it, the spread was something. And then when it looked like Alabama was going to cover, everybody was really happy, you know. Right. Uh, but then when <laughs> when um oh man Deshaun Deshaun um. Uh, the quarterback from right. uh, from Clemson. Clemson, when he completed that touchdown pass, it kind of threw everything into chaos. Yeah, it was almost you know it's like a, it's like the classic backdoor cover in sports. Yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what happened. Uh, yeah, I mean right because Alabama basically had the game winning touchdown to put them up. Uh, what was it, thirteen or fourteen? They I guess fourteen. No, no, no. They the the final score was a six point spread, so I think it put them up thirteen, and then for them to come back and score and and cut the and cut the final score to five, yeah, that's heart that's heartbreaking if you had a lot of money on Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like they said. If you look at the ratings, if you look at the ratings, 
they may have been like out east, okay, but then as soon as it got, you know, tightened and Alabama and, and Clemson was driving, now all of a sudden everybody turns up, turns in. Right, right. They want to see if 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 um, if uh, Clemson is going to score. So right. you know, yeah, yeah, that's not. You know, I'm looking at the record book just to get back to the Bear Bryant question about. So he took over in 1958, right? right. Uh, and he won his first national championship in 1961, okay. right? So that was the dark ages. Uh, well, it wasn't the dark ages. <laughs> the opposite. So he won, he won one a, a national championship in 61, then he won another one in 64, and another one in 65, right? Right, and those, so are, those are three of his five, three of, three of his six. Huh? Three of his six championships. Yeah, three of the six, and then he won that fourth one in 1973. When it's still, we still aren't talking about the SEC not looking like it's looking now. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying it's like the 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 very beginning of integration, where where most of the teams he played, particularly in the SEC, were still mostly made up of white players. Right. You know, so that's four of those six, and then he, I think he won. Um, he won another one. Uh, let's see. Um, he won another one in 1978, and then the last one in 1979. Okay. You know, so probably by 70-79, you know, the the black presence had become, you know, significant. Right. So, so um, you're, you're, giving again, him, you're giving you're giving him two legitimate two legitimate uh, titles. <laughs> <laughs> for Bear Bryant, no, but I mean it, it goes, it, and it goes back to what what you know what we said, like you know modern times. The you know this is it's always it always gets harder as right. we as we move further along uh, in time. And so what Saban's been doing is just I mean no one else has done it. No one else has really come close in this day and age to what he's doing. But that brings me to the question, and I you know I'd love to get your answer on this about. You know, he's proven, obviously he's proven all this. He's proven he's the best college coach in the game. Do you feel like he needs to go to the NFL uh, and to prove his, his real worth as a, as a coach? Well you, well, you know, he did that and failed. <laughs> now, you, you remember, he went to yeah. Miami and... Uh, he was there a couple of years. Huh? He was, there, he was there, you know, a couple of years. You know, well, not, I think that was enough. I mean, all right. he, he's a kind of, a lot of these guys, man, a lot of these college guys, I tell you most of them. Right. You know, and particularly, you know, well, let's, let's not get the racial thing now, but it was mostly white guys. And they're dealing with these brothers. But, but in college, these young, you know, young, impressionable, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old black guys who are on scholarship. Right. And, you know, oftentimes maybe the first, the first people, you know, and they're, and their families go to college, and the whole thing, they've got a hold on them, you know, where in the NFL, same kids, older, now they're 22, 23, you know, they're now making hundreds of thousands, in some cases, a couple million dollars, right. and you, you're not treating them the same way. Right. You know, you're not, you know, it's a whole different thing. I, I mean, I've even noticed it at the... Uh, at, at you know, the, the sports and recreation program I run, it's from seven to fourteen. But I notice even when the kids get to be fifteen, right. they've outgrown the program. The stuff that works when they're younger, now all of a sudden when they're fifteen, sixteen, they don't want to hear that stuff anymore. And so I just think that a guy like Saban, who is such a control freak, who 
is I'm not sure what his deal is, but never smiles, always just glum and doom and gloom and and these sort of dictates and mandates. And if I'm like in the NFL, I say, man, I don't want to hear that nonsense. You know, you you, you know, you better smile or or something. And I think that's why he ran into problems in Miami. And I think he run into problems again. And remember, he's he's 64. Right. And I think that I'm sure you know you, you still will have the energy then. But do you really want to reinvent the wheel? Right. You know. I mean. You know. So I think he's a great college coach. But like a whole bunch of folks, um, it just doesn't, you know, the, that control freak stuff that you get away with in uh, in the pro, I mean, in, in college, uh, does not translate into the pros. It just doesn't. Well, so so you 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 say he's a great he's been a great college coach, or he is a great college coach. Do, are you taking something away from him? Do you feel like a great NBA coach, an NFL coach, is you know held in a high, or should be held to you know in a higher esteem than a great college coach? Um, I don't know because I mean, remember, you know, I, I think it was different. Remember, Pete Carroll failed for a number of years, man. He did, you know, he tried to go to the, uh, he went to the pros and they got knocked knocked back. You know, right. uh, did really well. You said now he's learned his lesson. And is doing well in the NFL, um, and I think in the NBA, same thing. It's it's, it's just you had Brad Stevens at right. uh, with the Celtics, right. who made that jump from Butler. Um, but again, he was a young, you know, he's a younger guy. And I think in Stevens' case, <clears throat> he, he also realizes that when you get to the NBA, it's a, or, the, or the pros, it's it's a player's game, right? And you got to let it go, right? You know, you, you have to, you got to let it go, right? Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you inside the games we love. This is Bill Roden on Sports. Uh, we had a great wild card weekend. And what did you see? Did you see the Cincinnati game? How could, I, how, how could I miss it? That ending was oh. crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. Oh. I mean, I was one of the yeah. That's definitely by far one of the craziest games I've ever seen. Mm. And uh, mm. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was just. And then not just not just that game. What about the Minnesota Seattle game? The kicker. Oh. I mean, misses a twenty-seven yard a twenty-seven yard field goal at home to right. to win a playoff game. I mean, I've never. And I've never seen the other team get on their knees and pray after after a missed field. I've never seen that. What happened? Yeah, like Richard Sherman and a couple other Seattle Seahawks. After he misses the field goal, they're like on the ground, on their knees, praying to God, thanking God that he missed that field goal. I'm telling you, man, that that, that drives me crazy, too. Right. You know, I mean, with all due respect to uh, Dave O'Swinney, the Clemson coach. Right. I mean, you really think... You know, I mean, if you believe in God, I mean, you really think that the guy's choosing sides. You know, <laughs> a guy has some money. Oh, good. You know, Minnesota covered. <laughs> not, not the God I've heard of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, if you, if you go back to the uh, – let's, let's look at the Minnesota game first. And I think, you know, last, uh, last week I think I chose Minnesota. I think right. I chose Seattle. Right. Um, 
but that's all they pay you for. That's all you got to do is kick a field. That's all you do all day. It, it was cold, though. You know, it was like 15 below. The laces were in. <laughs> they have the laces out, right? You <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, how, make a difference. how have I been watching I kick. football for my whole life? You know, over, you know, almost 40 years I've been watching football, and I've never, ever heard anybody talk about the laces in or out for a kick. And th- this is the first time I've ever heard that. I mean, they just these excuses. I don't, I don't understand where they yeah, come yeah. from. Like, you know, I mean, that's just ridiculous, man. So I guess the Vikings will be looking for another. Uh, but it was, it was, it was a great game. Right. I, mean, it was, I think, yeah. Again, I, a long time ago, I think maybe ten years ago, I was at some college game, and I was doing a college game one day in the NFL. And the difference between the NFL and the college game is just like day and night. Day and night. Right. I mean, the the whole talent level yeah. at every single position. Like some guy was saying, "Oh, uh, Mark Ingram, you know, oh, you played for Alabama. Right. Really was on nice. a really good Alabama team. So, oh, my Alabama team could beat." But NFL, I said, "Man, <laughs> your Alabama team, you could take the worst NFL team. I mean, I'm talking about the absolute I mean, the worst by far. Right. And you would lose by 50 points. Right. Right. You know." I mean, because every single position, right? Every, every single position, you have two or th- you have two or three pros. Whereas right. in in college, half. It, I mean, even the best college team, how many of those guys go pro? Like twenty percent, right? Of the best teams. I mean, right. So please, right. I mean, look at and, and another thing. You look at Alabama, and you look at how many great running backs have made it in the pros. I'm like looking at how Nick Saban grinds up his running backs. You know. Uh, Ingram, uh, they have about three or four. Uh, Trent Richardson, and then I'm looking at how they use Henry. Man, <laughs> they chew these guys up, which is why when they get to the NFL, there's nothing left. Right, right. I mean, he said, Saban said, no, you, <laughs> there will be nothing left when I get finished with you. Right, you have nothing. Yeah, he's, you know? Know, he's, so trying, he's trying to win his championships and, and, and uh-huh. add, he's trying to win his championships and add to his legacy. That's the, that's exactly. And said, I'm not trying to get you guys jobs again. I'm not trying to prepare you for the NFL. <laughs> you, you, that's where you know? that's the that's where you got to give a guy like Calipari credit. I mean, he last year, you know, switching to college basketball just for a second. He, mm-hmm. you know, he did the platoon service purportedly because he wanted everybody to get a chance to play and he felt bad he recruited all these good guys and he wanted to give them a, give everybody a chance to play and in retrospect it might have cost him a national championship uh, on the other side Saban he's not playing that okay right. <laughs> he's trying to, he's just trying to win and then it pays off for him yeah I, yeah I guess man I mean it gets you know I know we were getting ready to talk about the NFL but I guess the thing that really continues to trouble me about college, particularly, just this abject racism when it comes to coaching. Because remember, we just went back to this whole thing about how, you know, Bear Bryant went from, like, no blacks and won his championships. And then when he realized in the 70s, when he got religion, when he looked at, at the Big Ten right. and the Pac-12, and you know, and these uh, North and our West, and they had all these black players. And he realized, you know, we couldn't, we, we no longer be insular. We have to, we, we got to, you know, we've got to recruit black athletes to win. Right. You know, and so, you know, so I'd say in the past 25 years, you've been having these floods, this flood of black athletes. I mean, there were points at the field yesterday, Jamal, there was a point in the game when, when of the 22 starters, almost 18 were black. Right. 
I mean, routinely. Right. And it's been like that for the past, I say, 15, 20 years. So you would think that, and, 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 and on each staff you've got former players, so you would think that over the period of 25 years there would be at least 10 guys who could be head coach ready. Right. But yet, you know, big-time college coaching has almost turned into like this welfare system for white coaches. Well, I you mean, I mean you, wrote, you wrote the book, you know, $40 million slaves. You need to write another book, $30,000 slaves for the, for the students and their scholarships. Yeah. yeah you know? right. That's get, get, this, get this changed, get this system changed, you know? Yeah. Because something, you know, you're right. I mean, these kids need to get something. I, I know education it means a lot, but they're doing a lot more, uh, f- you know, for the school than, than just $30,000 a year worth of uh, compensation. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know if I completely. I mean, I. I. I, I would much rather. Cause I, you know, when you start paying people, you know, I, I would much rather increase the compensation. And, and I, again, I prefer the revenue sharing. Like the bowl in the bowl system. At the bowls. I mean, if you. Right. I mean, I know it's hard. It's kind of hard as a business proposition. But if you, right. if you get your team to a bowl, then I have no problem with you sharing. In the revenue, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, yeah. And the bottom, basically, what you're saying, the bottom line, some they need to be compensated more than what they are, and we have, we got to figure out a way uh, to do it. And even even like uh, Stan Wilcox was saying, the the Florida State athletic director we had on the show a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. I mean, you know, even his point about just extending the the time period when they can f- fulfill their their you know get, get their educa- their full education and get their right. degree because right now it's limited if they leave and then you know they don't have most students don't have the right to come back you know, you know despite the fact they helped you they helped you raise all that money while they were there on their backs right you yeah, know that's a scene that's a scene I mean I think before you get you're right you're right before you get into um, paying them I think those kind of restrictions once we sign you you can take however long it takes you right. to get your degree from this university. Right. But well, we'll, we'll make that commitment to you if it takes 10 years, whatever. No, I told you. Know, fact, I just saw a thing where um, Bobby Bell, Bobby Bell's got his degree. Um, Bobby Bell was a all, you know, Hall of Fame middle linebacker for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs back in you know, like the 60s, 68, 9, that kind of stuff. And he just got his degree from the University of Minnesota. And he's got to be like 74 or something, you know. Right. And it took him a long time, but the university, in that sense, wanted to do it. They, they really wanted to do it, you know. So, I don't know. I just more and more as, I, as I'm around. And today, I mean, for the past few days, for the past couple of weeks, I was around, you know, Oklahoma and Clemson and and. and, and you just see no. You just see so few black people there, Jamal. I mean, I, the, the biggest black presence you see there are the players. But every other, please, man, the people who are running, putting up the microphones, tearing up the sets, uh, the people who are doing the the public information, the sports are running. The th- I mean, like no black people. I mean, you know, one or two here or there in the media. Yet yeah, a few, but it, it, it's like the whole thing, man. It's just. Largely run and and accrues to the benefit of white people, and you have like these gladiators there. These you know eighty percent of the team is black, but that's kind of it. 
you know, and maybe that percent, maybe there'll be like a handful who may one day become, you know, head coaches or or maybe somebody might get to a PR job or something. But it's, it's so clear that that you guys do this and we do everything else. Yeah, you and know? yeah, and, and you can't you can't argue with that. And and on that note, <laughs> we have, we have we have to get out of here. Um, and we'll be able to, we're, we're, yeah, we're getting kicked out. You know, you know the routine. And but we we will Man. we will talk more NFL on Thursday with Jonathan Jones, the beat writer from for the uh, Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. from the Charlotte yeah. Observer. So we'll talk all things NFL and uh, Panthers versus Seattle. Wow. Well, anyway, listen. Um, sorry to be getting kicked out. We'll, we'll talk about this later. Uh, but. Um, you guys enjoy the cool, the cool, uh, the cool weather in New York. I'm gonna try to soak up as much sun out here as I can. But we will, um, you know, it's been great talking to you, Jamal, Pat, and we will join uh, join you guys uh, on another version of Roden, uh, Bill Roden on Sports uh, later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.